Welcome to episode 78 of the Radio MVP Sports Podcast. I'm Tim along with Anthony as we sit on my back porch. As we are into week two of the high school football season, the college football season is underway in a lot of different ways. Yes. The baseball season is hit September, and we're down to 25 games left in the regular season for most teams. The NFL kicks off this weekend as the Broncos will have their opportunity to do good. We'll see how they do. (laughs) We'll talk about them a little bit. And as as my good friend Anthony blesses himself, (laughs) hoping for the best, wearing his Bronco blue. That's right. That's right. It's... uh... Tim, I heard a comment the other day on the radio. Believe it was Thursday coming to meet you. And the guy said, this might be the best two weeks of the sports calendar. Baseball is getting... And I disagree with that. But I can see where he's saying. Baseball is getting independent races. It's getting to September. College football started with a lot of big games early. The NFL starts, um, and I think the NHL and NBA begin their training camps here soon. So They do. They do. And there's a lot going on. And we've already had a really busy start to our football season. It began in earnest last week, and uh, we're just getting going. We're excited. With that in mind, uh, I'll make the announcement here. I made it on Twitter, but in case you did not see it, I will not be producing the scoreboard show this year. I just don't have enough time to get it done. However, it does not mean we won't incorporate some of the great highlights from each game that we broadcast on Western Reserve Radio this season. And with that in mind, here are the highlights from Thursday night's opener as Niles McKinley defeated Howland 35-21. Burned up the middle. Spins to the five, keeps his feet moving. Gonna spin again at the three, and continue to go touchdown. It's gonna be a quarterback sneak. Berman goes up course, and he's in. And took the second offer, but he's in. Wesley Garrett in shotgun, and he'll send four receivers in pattern. We'll move one over to the off the, the right tackle as a wing. And you're going to Lamar Garrett takes it up the middle, and he's breakaway. 10 to the 20, to the 10, to the 5, touchdown. He puts his foot into it, and it's a deep kick to the 9-yard line. It's builded there to the 20. As they bring it out to the 30, has room. As they bring it down, field is high. Hines is going to break it. Down to the 40, to the 20, to the 10, touchdown. Hines, touchdown. Takes the snap. Taylor back to pass, looking left side. He has a man open. He fires, makes the completion at the 50, to the 40, breaks a tackle, goes Artis to the 20, to the 15-yard line. Ty Artis, the senior, 5'11", 170-pound receiver, coming down with the ball and making some yardage with his legs. Our season just got started on a Thursday night, and we went on Friday. We went to Canton, and we seen the Battle of the Presents. Mm-hmm. Yes. As Warren G. Harding traveled to Canton to take on Canton McKinley. And these are the highlights from that game. Wesley Garrett in shotgun. And he'll send four receivers in pattern. We'll move one over to the off the, the right tackle as a wing. And you're going to Lamar Garrett takes it up the middle. And he's breakaway. 10 to the 20, to the 10, to the 5, touchdown. Wesley Garrett in shotgun. And he'll send four receivers in pattern. We'll move one over to the off the, 
the right tackle as a wing. And you're going to move takes it up the middle, and he's breakaway. To the 20, to the 10, to the 5, touchdown. Elijah Taylor takes the snap. He fires over the middle. He gets it to his tight end. He's going to break it down to the 30, to the 20, to the 10. Touchdown goes Tyreek Ivory. And that's how our weekend went this past weekend. Anthony, we had a big week to start Mm -hmm. off. A wonderful weekend to uh, start the high school football on Western Reserve Radio and WRQX AM 600 that you heard on Friday night. And congratulations to our friend uh, Campbell Rico, who made his debut on both channels this past week. So, uh, And you'll hear him on our pregame on both channels on Sports Channel 1240, and then starting at 5 o'clock on Fridays. And then you'll hear him at the halftime and postgame shows on Western Reserve Radio. So I want to give uh, a shout-out to him and, and a great job that he did this past week. Yeah, it was a lot of fun uh, to get started on Thursday. I was only able to make the Thursday game. Uh, but, man, what a lot of fun we had. It, it, you know, uh, walking into the stadium and... It, it hits you like it's here again, and you and I, I as much work as we put in, we, and we put in a lot of work, um, you, you put in a lot of work to get this thing to, to be a well-oiled machine, to make my job a lot easier. Um, I thought it was a lot of fun. It was a backyard rivalry, and those two teams played really hard. I mean, they played hard, they played physical. And it was a clean game. It was a clean, old-fashioned rivalry, Tim, uh, that a couple plays made the difference. I was really impressed with each side. I thought Howland got a lot better from when we saw him last year, and I think Niles is proud to probably be a winning team this year. I think you just said it perfectly. Howland is much improved from uh, the previous season under Coach Boyle, and same with Jim Perry for uh, Niles. Niles McKinley looks to be a team that, We'll them for the playoffs. Yeah, it's going to compete in that Northeast Eight, and yes. it's going to be interesting. That's going to be an interesting, really interesting conference to keep track of. We can get into the regions mm-hmm. and whatever goes on down the line another couple weeks. Because, quite honestly, here's here's the scenario: half the teams are one and zero, the other teams are zero and one, and the teams that one and zero have earned points. The teams that haven't won have yet to earn points in their regions for the playoffs we'll get what we can we have a lot of time as time goes by uh it doesn't really matter this early in the season who's where Uh, after about week three we can start Mm -hmm. an idea what what's going on week four we definitely have an idea what's going on but we'll we'll get into that in week three on we'll use joey tell like everyone else does and break down all the uh regions and and the teams and how they are performing so uh, yeah, I loved it. I thought we had a great kickoff, mm-hmm. Matt, you and I, and uh, Enrico. Excuse me, and Campbell. I thought we did a great job, and Dave Ferris running the show. A uh, great team put together, and we're going to look forward to uh, this this Friday night's game as we get Cardinal Mooney taking on Hoban and Akron Hoban's a uh, state power. Could be a big challenge for the Cardinals, yes. who uh, had a big challenge to start the season. Yes, heard on our uh, partners over on twelve forty 
as that game was on Thursday night as they took on Cheney, their reintroduction or uh, the rebirth. The rebirth. Yes. The rebirth of the Cowboys in the football team and a great game over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was 13 6 yes. the final score. Uh, really a great game. So I'm looking forward to uh, learning more about uh, how Mooney. Uh, Prevailed in that game and what's going on. I'll be talking to Jim and others mm-hmm. uh, throughout this week, and then getting ready for uh, our game in Akron with uh, as the Akron Hoban team will be taking on the Cardinal Mooney Cardinals. Should be great. Akron Hoban is a powerhouse. Yeah, tonight. this it is going to be a momentous challenge for the Cardinals. Yeah, and I think Mooney knows that. I think when Mooney scheduled this game, they knew this was going to be a Big barometer to see where they're at. Um, we all know Akron Hoban, Tim. You and I watched them last year together uh, beat Madison for the state championship, and boy, do they look impressive. Uh, they got a tight end coming back, I believe he's going to Alabama. Um, quarterback is phenomenal. Um, Tim Terrell has just, he has a nice, a well-oiled machine. Uh, they're they're a perennial state championship pick every year. Um, and this will be our first time going to Akron to see the Knights in person. Um, and only our second time seeing Cardinal Mooney the last couple of years. So we're excited. this is a great matchup. It's, oh, it is. Uh, this is a fun matchup. Uh, but there's going to be a lot of talent on that football field for both sides. Uh, Mooney's got a great running back. Um, we all know what Hoban could do if you know Ohio High School football. Um, it's only Tuesday. I'm excited for Friday, Tim. I am excited for Friday. We should be. It should be exciting, and it's going to be a great time. You know, there's like I said, high school football's just just started, and of course, uh, we'll have it all here. Simple as that. We'll be talking to a lot of different people, and hopefully, uh, continue uh, our our growth here. Just tell, like I tell everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tell your family, friends, and enemies, because uh, the more people listen, the more they're going to enjoy this podcast and the information we give you. All right. We're not going to talk about high school football the entire time. we got a lot to get to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to talk about the NFL getting kicked yes. off. Obviously, uh, the Cleveland Browns, probably the most anticipated team this year in the NFL who did not win a championship the previous year. Uh the, the changes John Dorsey has made in the last 20 months has been amazing mm-hmm. uh, since he took over in December a couple of years ago. And uh, what he has achieved in that time period, changing over this roster, changing over the coaching staff, changing over the culture of this team, it's been amazing. Amazing to watch, amazing to do. He's taken gambles. We're going to find out how much they all pay off. A lot of expectations, maybe over-expectations. Mm-hmm. For one team that was seven and nine last year and did not make the playoffs, to get to the next level, make the playoffs, and and go forward, uh, got maybe the most anticipated trade of the off season, and Odell Beckham Jr. joining mm-hmm. the Browns. They have in the wings Cream Hunt, mm-hmm. perennial rushing title guy uh, player. You know, coming out in the middle of the season. Uh, this is going to be an interesting, interesting year for the Browns. And I'm looking forward to it. And this is not going to be an easy test. There's no easy test in no. the NFL. Except when the Browns were terrible. <laughs> but, you know, that's just the truth. However, 
Tennessee is not going to be a pushover. That's but a good football team. They won a playoff game last year. That's a good football yeah. program. I mean, that team, that organization, is looking to take the next step. You know, they made the change in coaching staff last year, mm-hmm. and they've uh, moved up. And it's going to be interesting to see how they accept this cha- this challenge coming up on on Sunday. And this is going to be really a matchup of two young quarterbacks who grows the most. Yep, uh, and who is able to uh, really make the plays on the field. And I'm more interested to see the growth of the Browns' defense because now, with all the changes that have made, the preseason hype mm-hmm. and what they have achieved in the small amount of plays yes. that they played, high expectations. Look, I'm not going to say come here and say, oh, they're going to win 12 yeah. games. I don't do that. Anyone knows. I watched the loss call mm-hmm. and we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Everyone say, oh, we got to win, 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 win. Pay attention to the loss call. Lost column tells you how good you are. And right now, I hope that last column has a zero mm-hmm. uh, after Sunday. And then we go into next Monday night's game. And we'll go from there. And we'll see how good the Browns can be. Great test to open up the season. Should be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to this Sunday's football game for that reason alone. Because of all the hype, all the changes they've made. And we're coming in to the new season with two brand new kickers, two rookies, mm-hmm. and that's a that's a daunting task. It's a tall task in the NFL, yeah, for any team, but especially a team that's trying to rise to the next level. Yeah, and you know, everybody has heard the hype around the Cleveland Browns this year, and rightfully so, with the with the complete overhaul of the roster. Essentially, since John Dorsey took over, um, and they're going to get a tough test right out the gate. It's you know Tennessee has been in the playoffs the last couple years. They went to Kansas City a couple years ago and won. Um, last year they were right there in the playoff hunt. So Mike Vrabel is a really good defensive coach. So it's it's going to be a tough test for the Browns. Um, It'll be interesting to see if Marcus Mariota can take the next step and develop as a passer, and can he stay healthy finally? Yeah, he's had some uh, some injuries the last couple of years that have cut short his seasons. Um, so, will the Browns' defense continue to live up to the hype as they set for themselves in the preseason? How will Baker and the other offensive weapons gel? And can Mariota pass? His passing test, basically. Yeah. Um, Just thought of this, and I'm sure others have. Mm-hmm. But what an interesting matchup we have in Ohio. Because you got Mike Va- Rabel, yep. Who, of course, Ohio State, mm-hmm. everyone knows. Uh, you know, obviously now in the NFL with Tennessee. And then you have, of course, Ryan Day is the mm-hmm. coach for Ohio State. Taking on the University of Cincinnati. Yep. And Luke Fickle, Fickle yes. who's returning to the shoe. And this time as an opponent. And yes. This is a former, you know, interim head coach of the Cleveland, or excuse me, of the Ohio State Buckeyes. So just a kind of interesting thing to see both those two uh, very good friends bringing two different teams in to take on Ohio teams this week. And it uh, should be a lot of, you know, I say that a lot. Should be a lot of fun, but I'm really looking forward to, the, to Saturday's game for that reason alone. Yes, the intrigue of Vickle 
and how well he's done at Cincinnati. He's he, he's turned that program around from yeah. where they were with Tommy Tuberville, four and eight to three and nine. Uh, Fickle's first year they struggled, but they started to develop a culture. And it takes a while to, to establish your new culture, change the culture. Um, we've seen that with Bo Plenty at YSU. Um, we've seen with John Dorsey. Uh, it takes a while to change. Um, and you know, and another thing here is you got you know Mike Vrabel, mm-hmm. who's a very young head coach, and then you get you know Kitchen going to his very first yes. game as a head coach. So, and no one knows how good Kitchen will or will not mm-hmm. be on the sidelines. What I mean by that, can't you know making decisions and in game, game adjustments? Yeah, you know, uh, knowing when to use a timeout, when not to use a timeout, how to manage the clock. Uh, Obviously, getting plays in and out of the uh, from the offensive sideline to the to the player, uh, you know he's going to be calling plays, you know watching the defense making you know adjustments and making plays there. So, I think there's a lot of intrigue into uh, a lot of these games this weekend, and I'm really looking forward. to There's it. no more one o'clock kickoff, Tim. This is a 4:25 game on CBS. This is Jim Nance, Tony Remo. This is big time. This, that's the Cleveland. And they're sending them to Cleveland, man. That is the, that is the Cleveland Browns in 2019 for the first time since they returned. They're getting all the love, and now it's going to be up to them to to truly show how good they can be. The hype is there. Hype. They've won the hype war. They won the off season. Doesn't mean anything until the games begin. Nope. So we'll see exactly where we go. Now, your Broncos, yes. quickly. Obviously, a new quarterback in, mm-hmm. in Flacco. Yes. They have a nice running back that they're bringing in. Yes. You know, and Lindsey, I think he's going to be a big part of their offense. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they, we'll see, you know, the growth of that team this year under, uh, you know, a second-year head coach. Yeah, this is uh, – it's a lot of change with Denver Broncos again. Uh, new head coach and Vic Fangio taking over for Van shows of who I was – you can tell, never a big fan of. Uh, they're going the route of a veteran quarterback again with Joe Flacco. Hopefully trying to develop and teach Drew Locke when he gets back healthy. Um, a lot of new faces in the secondary. Bryce Callahan, Kareem Jackson. Um, so you had two new guys there. Um, the defense should be strong. The defense has always been pretty good lately. Uh, Fangio should only develop that as he has a solid reputation for being one of the best defensive coaches in the league. Uh, the offense is going to be the question mark. If you know, can they? Can the offensive line hold up and stay healthy? You have Mike Munchak, who's done a great job when he was with the Titans. He did a nice job with the Steelers. He's coming back home in a sense to where his family is in Denver. Um, and it starts off with a bang. Monday night, it's Raider week. Yes, it is. It's uh, There are two weeks a year that we get, uh, if your season's going down the drains, this means something to you. This, this is Raider week for Double us. Double importance. As you mentioned, yes, it first is. Year coach. Yes. You know, I said second year. I met first year yes. coach. You know, so obviously you want to get off to a great start. Taking on, like you said, the Raiders. This is kind of similar to what the Browns faced the last few years, taking on the Steelers to start this season. I hate that. I do too. I, I do too. Have you know an inner league game, kind of like what Cleveland's opened up against Tennessee, and then build up. I, know, I don't like the Brown schedule and, and, and mm-hmm. playing the Steelers 
two times twice three in three weeks. weeks. That's yeah, stupid. That's, yeah, that's the NFL, but that's a different. Can we could sit here for a week and talk about the scheduling in every professional sports, and it's awful. Yeah, well, but yeah, you're right. This it is there. If you want to, but then again, I don't want that job. And look, maybe. Because you need somebody to fill the 10-15 slot on Monday Night Football, which I hate this idea. I understand why they do it. We understand why they do it. But you you need to drum up some excitement for a 10-15 game. When you want to get people to watch. People are going to watch the Broncos and the Raiders. It's a, it's a West Coast game. It's, it's you know. purely to give the West Coast a primetime game that they don't have all season long. You're right. And... That is the time to do it. It's the first game of the season. ESPN has the inventory to do it. They bought it, so it doesn't shock me. So it's yep. just the way it works. Yeah, it's going to be a late night. Um, yeah. You've never seen an East Coast team go west. No, that game. no. It's always been two West Coast yes. teams. That's one thing to get right. Yeah, that's, which is fine. It's, you know, um, look, we're going to play these guys twice a year. So might as well begin the season with them and end it with them and... Uh, hopefully, we began Raider Week with a win. And I hate this freaking team. The silver and black, the black hole. I hate this team. That blessed you skull. Know, and all the hype this year. Yeah, yeah, they do. Antonio Brown, his helmet, and the prima donna he is. And John Gruden, I like John Gruden, but... You don't I don't that much. No, I don't. I don't buy the Derek Carr hype train. Uh, I think it's laughable. Um, but it's a nice chance to show on national TV that the Broncos are still better than the Raiders. Because I'm a certified Raider hater. Can't what stand them. I can't what a stand them. You stand there in your Broncos. <laughs> That's right. I'm a Raider hater, man. <laughs> All right. That's our NFL college. Well, I'll tell you what. Let me go college real quick. Obviously, Notre Dame played uh, this weekend. Give me your f- thoughts. I know mm-hmm. hey, it's a W, and you move on. Tim, that's about the only positive that came from the game. It's a win. Uh, this is now year 10. Of, this is year 10 of Brian Kelly, which is he is the longest 10-year head coach at Notre Dame since Lou Holtz. Yeah. And he's the second longest ten-year head coach since Eric Procedian, I believe, which is absolutely incredible. Um, so, look, I, I watching the game last night, sleeping on it today, trying to dissect it. I don't know what positives you find other than Tony Jones ran the ball well and Joey Galloway said he wasn't on the team anymore. And you won. It was as ugly as... It's just frustrating. This is year 10 of the Brian Kelly era. And what are the two big knocks on Brian Kelly? A, he can't win the big game. Correct. And maybe he kind of got the monkey off his back. You know Brian Kelly has the best record against USC since Lou Holtz. Yeah, it's been a tough run. Yeah, it, it has. It's been a tough run, which is nice. That's that's what you want to do. Last year he had some nice 
you know, we beat Stanford, beat Michigan. Um, so we can't win the big one. And they played down to the level of the opponent. We were just talking about this in the Ice Cash report. You let inferior teams hang around. And if not for Louisville's quarterback dropping the ball, I mean, dropping the ball, he didn't get hit or dropping the ball three times. Louisville's winning that football game. And it it began to get... I didn't feel great coming in. I just I got feeling of the 2016 Texas game when Texas is coming off a four and eight season and they beat us in overtime. Uh, thankfully, that didn't happen. I mean, your returning in book, a senior quarterback, captain, supposed to be a dark horse Heisman contender, and he didn't play well in any facet of the game. The receivers didn't get separate. It was a bad performance. It was a win, and that was the only thing you can get from it. Take the win and move on. Yeah, you got to move on, and thank God you got a bye week this week. Well, here's the thing: like I've always said, you know, sometimes the biggest improvement you see is between week one and week two. Now they are kind of like YSU; they have a week off to get ready and then play again. So we'll see how they uh, they handle. The situation going forward, and how the coaching staff does, and what adjustments yeah, they make. Because you got a big one in two weeks. I think that's the biggest knock about Kelly. And yes. Uh, lack of an adjustments during the season, <laughs> and uh, I never expected that. When he was at Cincinnati, he seemed to be on a roll. That's that what somebody no one, told me last week. Yeah, yes. On a roll that you, you know, when he took the job at Notre Dame, you expected Notre Dame to get to that next level where they were a national contender. Let what we found out in the 10 years, in my opinion, is they are a national team. We've seen the ceiling. Top 20 team. We've seen the ceiling. Right. But have they... We've seen them even compete at the highest level where they made made the championship, championship game. And the bowl game. And the, they, and the playoff. They didn't compete in those at a level that you expect. Let me ask you this. So my question is... Yeah. Have we hit the ceiling where we just have a coach who can really manage this team well? Mm-hmm. It does everything that the university hopes it would do yes. on and off the field, but not necessarily ever take it to that championship level. Lou Holtz said the biggest challenge at Notre Dame is not getting there. It's maintaining it. Um, let me ask you this, because as... As everybody knows, I bleed blue and gold, and I love that university. My honest opinion, Notre Dame is still stuck in the Lou Holtz era, where they believe they can compete consistently for the playoffs and the national championships. I'm of the belief you you can't do that at Notre Dame. It's difficult. You can't do that. And this is not... you. You can't get the type of kids... Necessary, and look, their first twenty-two—they've been pretty good the last couple of years, and the stat and the records show it, and the wins show it. But it's the next ten, fifteen. Dap is only good if you have quality, not quantity. So we saw last year. You're tied 3-3 against Clemson. And Julian Love, your best defensive back, goes out. And you got boat raced. 
He's gone now. Uh, we saw last night that depth's not there. Look, you can say all this. I guess it's frustrating because every year we want to come out strong. We want we don't want to keep them in the game. And every year you're keeping inferior teams in the game. I'm of the belief you have maxed your ceiling with Brian Kelly. That's not a shot at Kelly. Because to me, if you win eight, nine games and win a bowl game every year, and every couple years you win 10, 11, but let me say this now. Those eight, nine win seasons where you struggle and you don't quite have it to be an upper echelon team, you better be beating USC. Let me give you a comparison. He's John Cooper. 100%. 100%. going to run your program excellently. He's going to do everything you want the yes. program to do. And John Cooper did that. At, at he will win some big games. He'll lose a lot more than he'll win the big games. Yes, he will. And, and they'll look really bad when they do. And now you have to make a decision as a Ex- program Exactly. Can you do better than this? Right. And that's what got John Cooper fired. fired yes. And that's what brought in the Jim Trussell era. And Let that's me- exactly where Ohio State has gone yes. since. Because every coach they've gone after since has elevated the program. Right. Now it's up to Day to take it to the next level or at least maintain the championship level that the two yes. previous coaches have demonstrated. And that's where um, Notre Dame's at. This is will be a great question going forward for Notre Dame mm-hmm. after this season is what their vision of the program is. Because if they keep Kelly... And they, let's say Kelly goes nine and two this year, mm-hmm. or you know nine and three, or nine and three, ten, 10 and, and two. two. Yes, you have to make a decision where you want your program to be. You know, there's a lot you, of. A, do you have the belief that you are a top four team that can make the playoffs, or do you have the belief that you're a top fifteen team that will peak around seven or eight? Yeah, and, and that's exactly where they they could lie. And that'll be a great question going forward for that administration because the expectation of Notre Dame was always to try to win championships. It's now more. It is. The, it is the, tougher than it's it ever is, been. The difficult level, more difficult today than it's ever been in the past. Let me ask. Uh, let me say this because I'm not a diehard Brian, not a diehard Brian Kelly fan. But you don't fire someone just to fire someone. You you can't fire someone just you know just to move on. You can't hire someone until you fire someone. Exactly. That's the problem. I know what you're saying. And, and is there anyone else out there that is suited for Notre Dame that is better? Because let, let's stop uh, this let right me, now. Put, Urban Meyer is not walking down of the Golden Dome right now. Only person. Urban Meyer is not walking down. Well, I'm just saying, University. if they were going to go after someone, that's who they're going after. And they better have a commitment from Urban Meyer this time, well, unlike they did in 05. Yeah. To, you can't recruit your next head coach while well, you have. Yeah, you, head coach is, you better. There's an ethical standard there that you cannot fire. And there's no way Notre Dame would do that. No, and I don't think there is. I'm not sure there's anyone out there now that. Makes me go, yes, that this guy will make Notre Dame a national championship what contender. Makes Notre Dame somewhat attractive of a job besides being Notre Dame is now their affiliation with the ACC. Yes, they have a schedule. They know who they're playing. Yes, year. you they still have your rivalry, rivalry games. Yes, are. 
you can recruit against that schedule yes. going forward. Whoever it is, if it's Brian Kelly or whoever may be the future, we're putting the cart way before Boy, the horse. Yes, because uh, we're only in week two for their season, and let's go forward. But I just yeah, and, yeah, it was just it was just frustrating because look, an eighteen point win on the road in prime time. You're going to take that more often than not. You're going to take it. If Ohio State goes to Nebraska at the end of September, beginning of October, and wins by 18, every Ohio State fan is going to take that. And they're going to take that and run. But when you're playing a team that was 2-10 in such disarray as last year, what's maddening to me, at halftime you're averaging 12 yards per carry or 10 yards per carry. The quarterback is shown he's not throwing the ball well. And you're insistent on throwing the ball down the field. But th- then again, I stopped myself and I said, this is the same guy that threw the ball 30 times in a hurricane. So, it was ugly. It's a win. You move on. I guess it's just frustrating will, because it's every year we see this. On this level alone. The reason you do it is because A, you know the game's in control. Yeah. B, you want to get these plays on tape where you can coach against it, where you can coach up your players. And I guess and, and you I have a lot to you coach. You have to take advantage of games-like situations that you cannot get during practice. Now, that is the only yes. argument I have for it. Yeah. Now, as a football strategist, you were yes. correct. As a coach looking long-term, there may be a reason for that that you're not recognizing, meaning they want to see these plays on tape in game-like situations where they can make adjustments and get better. Yeah, And and that's the only real argument behind it when you're in that situation. Why you're running certain plays? Because you want to be able to use that as a coaching uh, vehicle that you don't have during practice. Yeah, look, and there are some guys that played really well. Tony Jones, I mentioned, played really well. Jameer Smith ran really hard. Um, Tommy Tremble played really well. Um, Drew White played well, but as a whole, it it was ugly, and it's frustrating to me, I guess, because it's now year ten, and every year you let teams hang around, and more often than not, Tulsa, Let's USF, you lost them. Right. So Let's not judge twenty nineteen by 2018, 2017, 2016. Let's take it. It's week one. They made, you know, like you said. Would you give them an A? Obviously not. Cool. Would you give them a C? Yeah. C minus, yeah. Fair grade on the on the game. Now, how do you improve going forward? That's the question yep. mark going forward for for Coach Kelly and the Irish. Yeah, and pardon me, wish they played this week to get that taste out of your mouth. Um, but you got to play the schedule is, and um, you would hope you have a tune up against New Mexico before you have to go to Athens. Um, But like you mentioned a couple of times in multiple regards to teams, the biggest jump is from week one to week two. So let's see what they do. Um, But I think your grade's fair. I think a C, C minus is fair. Um, And I think any coach will say that, that this team didn't play well. You've got to remember also in college football versus the NFL and, 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 High school level is you don't have scrimmages ahead of time. No, and I and, and I love is, Lincoln Riley and Urban Meyer's 
stance and thoughts on that. You so you have to you have to do certain things in the first game or two that you normally wouldn't do yep. where you can coach forward with your team. And that's my last comment. I'll say this. And I said it yesterday to my mom. I think they were they might have been better off playing Georgia yesterday. The excitement's there, the energy's there, the motivation level there. The focus as a whole is better. I think we saw that with YSU. When you play a marquee team, the focus is there. Um, but you got to play who you play. And, you know, you didn't come out ready to play. You're granted it was Louisville, and uh, you better clean it up. So we'll see what they do. It's an ACC Next, team. Yep. And you move forward from there. You yep. Know, and then, like I said, they play an ACC schedule. That's why I compare it to the yep. ACC. You're right. Real quickly, let's get to the to the Cleveland Indians. Yes. We're in September. You've been vocal. Yes. So I'm going to let you have the floor and talk about the Cleveland Indians and where they're at and what you believe is their future. I think as of September 3rd, I think the season's over. Uh, they're not winning this division. They're five and a half games out. Um, the injuries have taken a toll and caught up to them. Um and I think the pitching is starting to show cracks right now. Um, and not the starting rotation. I think the bullpen is finally starting to crack a little bit. Uh, they've bent all year, uh, but now they're starting to break. Um, it, it's it's pretty much evident on paper. You can't compete against the A's and Rays. You're 1-5 against the A's and 1-5. Seven against the Ray or one and five against the A's and one seven against the Rays. So I think they're playing out the string. I don't see them making the playoffs. You got six left against Minnesota, three more against Washington. That's nine games against playoff teams. Um, uh, I don't see them making the playoffs this year. I I think the offense is too inconsistent and the bullpen is finally starting to show cracks. I think those are legitimate points, by the way. Now. Here's the argument. This team has overachieved beyond its highest expectations because when you started the season, you really looked at your starting rotation yes. as Kluber, Carrasco, uh, Clevenger, Bieber, and Bauer. Mm-hmm. Well, there's only one, well, two, one, two yeah. pitchers left of that. And only one has started every start this year, and that's Bieber. Yep. Everyone else has either been traded or injured. And it's an amazing turnaround what this team has had. Obviously, the start of the season, we talked about it last week, the infield has been totally changed. Yes. Uh, now, we now again, we're going through change again. Kipnis' injury mm-hmm. uh, to his tendonitis and yep. stuff like that. So we'll see where he stands. You lost Ramirez practically for the entire yep. season. For the rest Make of one, two. Uh, and Nate, yep. I mean, yeah, I think the injury bug has finally may have won. Yep. And I think that is where they're at. Now, with all that in mind, they're still right in the thick of it. And believe it or not, they do have an opportunity. And I think they can capture that. Reason simply is this team has overachieved all season long. We have three rookies in the starting rotation. You have Plezak. You have basically Pleco, who's a rookie. And you have uh, Savali. Savali. All three of them, rookies. And you're in a playoff hunt. 
Name me the last time that's happened to any freaking organization. I can't think of it. Yeah, and and now I, I'm not going to disagree with you. There's been some cracks in the bullpen. I mean, Han has been up yeah. now. He looks like he's he's pitching better. We'll see going forward. This team will go far as as Brad Hand takes him in the bullpen. I will say that yeah. loud, and there's no question about that. Uh, in the end of the ball game, you're gonna to have to close it out, and it's gonna. There's no one else to turn to. Yep. I think Carrasco will help. Yeah, right I now that yeah. Carrasco's in the bullpen, I think he will help. I just don't expect him to be in many pressure situations. No, not yet. At least the first, the first two weeks of him his return. The last ten days of the season, they may say, "Let's just go for yep. it." and use him. And I, I and I get that, but I don't think they're gonna overuse him because of his health. That's just my personal what? opinion. Now. I don't think they're far out. Now, when I talk about the loss column, I talked about that earlier yes. in the podcast. There's six back in the loss column of Minnesota. That's what you want to keep track of. Don't worry about anything else. When you look at the standings, look at the loss column. Look at the loss column in the wild card. That will tell you everything you need to know where your team is at. Right now, they're basically tied in a wild card in the loss column. And they're six back with with Minnesota going for it. Minnesota's schedule has been one of the easiest schedules yes. uh, in the month of August. It's now going to get a little di- more difficult for them. Do I expect the Indians to sweep them in two series? No. Could it happen? Yes. Could it the opposite happen? Yes. Yes. For the Indians to have an opportunity to win a division, they're going to need two things. Minnesota is going to have to play a couple teams and lose to the they wouldn't expect. Yep. And the Indians are going to have to probably go 5-1, and one, minimum 4-2 against them. If, for any reason, they go 3-3 three and three or less, You're done. they're yep. done for their division. Because the loss column will kill them. In the same vein, that's where the division, will, the wild card will be won and lost. Pay attention to the loss column. Three-team race, two teams make it. The loss column will tell you where you're at. If you go on an extended losing streak, three, four games in a row, Chances of you making the playoffs are slim. However, it's just the opposite. If your lost column stays stagnant mm-hmm. and you're gaining ground or you're making moves against both Tampa Bay, who has to play in the yep. East still, and they, you know, they got Yankees, they got Boston, they have, you know, yeah, yeah they got Baltimore. Uh, <laughs> <but> yeah, <laughs> my point is, they have some teams that they have to face. They have to face Toronto. So it'll be interesting to see exactly what happens. And out west, the A's still have to you know, mm-hmm. go through Houston, and they're going to have to play teams of, of caliber, and they're going to play the Angels. So I'm just saying, in, in realistic terms, the Indians are going to be right there. only way they fall out is they have a 4-5 game losing streak right now. Uh, yes, they got swept by Toronto. Yeah. Bad situation, you know, unfortunately. You know, it is what it is. You can't can't deny what happened. Can't But... Going up against, you know, this week you go against the Tigers, you, you maybe get better. And that next day, or, or White Sox, excuse mm-hmm. me, you get better against the White Sox, get into the Minnesota this weekend and see what happens. And that's where your series is going to be won or lost, is what you do against the Twins. Uh, if they win two out of three, they're in it. Yep. If they lose two out of three, they're on their way out the door, especially for the division. We'll have to see how the other two teams do in the wild card. Two out of three, you're going to make it. 
I don't care if you're home or away on the wild card. All it is is a one-game playoff. Mm-hmm. Now, Cleveland has traditionally been bad in game sevens. Yes. In game fives and elimination games. Uh, so, something has to They've change. They've lost their last seven, I believe. I can't remember the step, but yeah, we know it. My, my bad. whole yeah. point is something has to change. So, if that's the way in, so be it. Let's, let's, let's get in and see what happens. Uh, it's, it's very simple. It's, it's math. Watch the loss column. If that loss column continues to grow for the for the Indians, they're done. If it stays stagnant and you gain ground on the loss column, you'll know. That means you're defeating the teams you're supposed to beat and the teams that are ahead of you are losing. And quite honest with you, the Indians are capable of pulling off eight to ten games in a row. I'm not saying they will. They're capable of it. They have the pitching to do it. Actually, I believe they have enough leadership even with the losses that they've had in Ramirez and others down the stretch. Uh, I think just getting Carrasco back could be a huge bonus to this team uh, emotionally going forward. So let's see what happens. I honestly don't think they're out of it, but I agree with you. They're on the verge. It could go either way. Yeah. In the next 10 days, we'll tell you exactly where they're at. Yeah, I just... I question their ability to just to score consistently. Last night you scored double digit runs. You didn't hit the ball at all against Tampa Bay. Um, had a little bad luck against Tampa Bay. They hit the ball sometimes hard right at them. They yeah, had it's. Balls. I'm I'm not. When you see a team actually offense with hard outs, it's frustrating. And they did that against Tampa. And give t- I mean, but that's part of the game. Yeah, I. However, when, I think that gives you an oper- that gives you some. Belief that you're coming out of it, and like I say we're going to get better against yeah. Chicago because Chicago's not good. And the thing is, can you take that momentum into Minnesota this weekend? And that's where they're at. And yeah, we'll know more this time next week. Watch the loss column. Yeah, I just the offense has been too inconsistent lately, and the bullpen, like I said, starting to show cracks. 14 runs allowed in the series against Tampa Bay. Um, that's that's been their first big meltdown series in a while. So, is it a fluke or is it just running out of steam? Well, I'll say this. Look at it this way: Puig had a great start with the Indians. Hit a, hit his yes. bag in about. I think he was like one for twenty. Yeah, and now he's coming out of it. It's very simple. I think the Indians' opportunity to make the playoffs lies offensively behind the two players that they acquired at the trade deadline in Puig and in Reyes. If those two get hot, they'll succeed in this in mm-hmm. the next 10, 20 games. If they struggle, this team will struggle because they were brought in for one reason only, to create yep. offensive scoring opportunities. And right now, when both of them were struggling, this team is in bad shape uh, offensively because they don't have Ramirez to pick them yep. up. Another RBI bat. Uh, Santana has been solid all solid year yep. long, so there's no bitch there. But the bottom line is this team will go as far as Brad Hand, Yaziel Puig, and Vermil Reyes takes them. Yeah. That's my opinion. Yeah, and um, look, you're completely right about the offense. It's, it's those who are brought in to produce runs and score runs and. The last couple of weeks, they weren't really doing it. Now they maybe seem to be breaking out of it. We'll see. Um, I don't think they have enough to make it, but 
Like you said, we'll see. It's three keys: hand, twig, grass. That's uh, simple as that. Yeah, it's it, you know. I think if those three get hot, this team will go on a run. Those three don't uh, continue on a up and down uh, spiral. Then yeah. Uh, then chances are they'll finish 500, and it'll be a, a race to see who can get the number two uh, wild card. So yeah, and um, Chicago's not way, been. I don't expect the Twins to falter. No, I'm just being honest. Yeah, I, uh, I I think the wild cards are way in. Yeah, that's. However, the door's not closed on the division. I just think while taking three or four from Minnesota. Beginning of the month was huge. That was a big series. I wonder if that emotionally took too much out of them. I don't think so. I really don't because this is a long season, and anybody knows that it. You know, they had ten games against them, and it's just first of ten. So uh, we'll go forward. Hey, Anthony. Yes. Let's wrap this up, uh, and uh, we'll be back next week. Yeah. With uh, two podcasts. Next Tuesday. Yes. All right. For Anthony, I'm Tim. Till the next time we speak, you've been listening to Radio MVP Sports.